we saw two more hotels just in the last week get foreclosed just in the Chicagoland area. And that pace is increasing by the day. So our fear is that if we don't see some support here quickly, more and more hotel owners are going to lose their entire livelihoods and lose their properties to foreclosure. Our members in the end love this. They love, you know, welcoming people to the city and bring them in. It's like their home, right? Welcome to my home. That's really who people are. Hello, welcome to the Cloudcast. I'm Alex Nitkin. I'll be your host this week. We are now one year into this pandemic, and it has taken a huge toll on all kinds of businesses, but arguably none have taken a bigger hit than the hotels and tourism industry. When we went into lockdown last March, demand for hotel rooms dried up basically overnight, and tens of thousands of hotel workers across Illinois almost immediately lost their jobs. And a year later, demand for hotel rooms still hasn't really bounced back, but the industry is trying to look ahead, not just over the next few months of reopening eventually, but the next few years it's going to take to fully recover after the past year. So as you're going to hear today, there's a lot of debate over exactly what that recovery should look like. I talked to Karen Kent, the president of Unite Here Local One, the union that represents about 16,000 Chicago area hospitality workers, about how those workers are trying to get their livelihoods back after the trauma of COVID. Um, but first, I also talked to Michael Jacobson. He's the president of the Illinois Hotel and Lodging Association, which represents hotel owners. And he talked to me about what this summer's convention season might look like, why he wants hotel workers to be the next in line for the vaccine, and what it is going to take from city and state leaders to help get the tourism industry back to its full pre-pandemic strength. Take a listen. Michael Jacobson, welcome to the Cloudcast. Thanks for being on. No, thank you for having me. Talk a little bit about the uh, Illinois Hotel and Lodging Association. What is it? What do you all do? Who do you all uh, represent? We represent the 1,500 hotels that are in every corner of the state. Um, I, as you drive down the interstate, crisscross the state of Illinois, obviously you see just hundreds and hundreds of hotels in major cities, but also along interstates and in small towns. And we represent uh, those hotel operators, but also those hotel owners, many of which, or most of which, are locally owned and operated. You know, we're talking here on pretty much the anniversary of when COVID changed all of our lives, right? I, I remember actually, we're talking here on, on Thursday, the 11th of March, and one year ago today was the last time I personally worked from the office. Um, do you remember the moment when you personally realized that this is something that is going to, you know, scar the hotel industry for, for years, that this is going to be something like a long haul issue, um, not just for, for weeks or months? Ironically, that day was one year ago today. Uh, I was sitting in one of our member hotels and uh, enjoying a drink in their bar, which seems like, man, what I would give to, <laughs> uh, I feel like we missed 10 or 11 months of being able to enjoy drinks in a hotel bar. Uh, but we were sitting there and I remember at halftime of an NBA game, Mark Cuban uh, getting up and walking off the court and them announcing that the NBA uh, season was suspended. Uh, and then uh, that was, I believe, a Wednesday or Thursday. And then uh, that weekend, my family and I were actually in Florida. Uh, again, we, we didn't quite know how serious it was about to become. And uh, I, I remember my phone ringing and it was a, a member of the, the mayor's staff uh, from City Hall 
saying we need hotels and we need them quickly to serve as quarantine sites. And that was an eye-opening moment realizing, okay, this is getting serious now that the city needs hundreds of rooms at their disposal to be able to put COVID patients in if things take a turn for the worse. And of course, in the days and weeks to come, um, then we were able to build the McCormick Place uh, facility. But it was, uh, it was a, a crazy set of, I would say, 72, 96 hours where we realized that we had a major issue on our hands. The hotel industry, the hospitality industry has been hit harder than arguably almost any other industry in the city and in the country. Um, I mean, help me understand just how bad this situation is, just how bleak is it for hotel owners and operators right now? Yeah, when you when you look, we were the first industry to start getting impacted by this because even before we went under a stay-at-home order or certain businesses were forced to shut down by government orders, we started seeing conventions in McCormick Place and across the state starting to cancel already. That was that was really in late February uh, when many people still weren't even familiar with the term COVID-19. We started to see these cancellations of some of our larger events. And unfortunately, those large events makes up about half of the revenue to our Chicago hotel community uh, at their individual hotel properties. And when you look at the long-term outlook, we're certainly optimistic about um, certain sectors of our and segments of our business coming back quicker, like leisure business, individuals just wanting to do a staycation downtown or, or people coming down from Wisconsin or wherever it may be, just looking to get out of the house. But what's going to be the last segment to return is that convention business. We're hoping to get conventions resumed here shortly. Um, but even when they do, we, we're fully aware that they're not going to come back at the capacity um, and they're not the amount of people that typically come to those conventions isn't going to be nearly the same as what it was pre-pandemic for years to come. So we don't anticipate getting back to our pre-pandemic revenue uh, and occupancy levels until 2024 at the earliest. Let's talk about conventions and what conventions might look like as, as we start to look ahead to the summer here. It seems like there's a lot of conversation happening in Springfield right now about how to make conventions work in some form this summer. Um, we saw controller Susanna Mendoza in a hearing a couple days ago saying, you know, we need to figure out a way to bring conventions back. Um, Deputy, Gover Dan Deputy Governor Dan Hines told Cranes on Wednesday that, um, this is a quote that he gave them, it's our intention to allow and plan for conventions at McCormick Place and other locales during the summer and certainly by July. He specifically mentioned the Chicago Auto Show. Um, what is your feeling about, I'm sure it won't look like a typical convention season, but what is your sort of, you know, optimistic and pessimistic take on what conventions might look like this year to the extent that they happen? So all along, we've been able to show that conventions have put in place at the, at the with the help of a lot of teams of health and safety experts and medical professionals, there's a lot of safe protocols. A convention, when they start resuming, will look very different than a convention that you might have attended before COVID-19 struck. And we have the benefit here in Illinois that a lot of other states have started resuming conventions, again, at a limited capacity, not with tens of thousands of people, but uh, there was one held in Orlando uh, three and a half weeks ago that had 5,000 people, of which not a single case of COVID was reported three weeks afterwards. And it shows you that the protocols that have been put in place have been tested. They're, they're proven as to preventing any outbreaks at these events. And you look at the, the makeup and the structure of a facility like McCormick Place, 
massive ceilings, great air ventilation, and the ability with so much space to space people out and provide plenty of social distancing and build plexiglass barriers. And again, a whole series of, of protocols that McCormick Place is prepared to put in place. These facilities are as close as you can get to an outdoor environment. And uh, when you look at how many people could fit into that building, we're saying that we can safely and responsibly resume some of these conventions at a limited capacity to help get our hospitality industry back in business um, and help get our economy back on track uh, with the proper safety protocols in place. And, and the thing that why we're so encouraged to see uh, a comment like that from Dan Hines to come out is it takes months to plan and execute these conventions and these events. A meeting planner needs anywhere from six to 12 months to be able to prepare for that. When you look at building the actual exhibitions that uh, go into these shows or booking travel and making accommodations for people to come into town. And that takes time. So meeting planners are making their decisions right now for events that are scheduled to take place this summer, this fall, even next winter and next spring. So we're talking about events that are a year out when hopefully COVID is behind us and we're in a far better position on the pandemic. And that if we don't come out with any sort of plan or announcement here very shortly, it's not only gonna be a lost summer, it's gonna be another lost year in our city's hospitality industry. So taking, say, the auto show as an example, is the idea here in your mind to not necessarily cancel anything, but just to hold every event that would otherwise be held, but just be putting certain capacity limits, ventilation protocols in place, making sure people are masked when appropriate, that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I don't know the specifics about what the proposal has been on the uh, on the auto show in general, but uh, I think it's it's I don't think it's safe to assume that all the events that typically go into that will take place. I, again, I think the convention itself will just look very different. I'm sure you've been to a, a business convention or uh, for a professional association or whatever it may be. I'm sure you've been to some of these events before where a lot of times there's there's parties afterwards, whether it's over at Navy Pier or at the Museum of Science and Industry or wherever it may be across the city. I think those will be some of the last events to come back. The people that are holding their conventions right now, and there is demand to hold these conventions. They're happening in other cities and states already. The demand is there, but the demand is coming from very serious exhibitors and buyers, people that need to be there for their business um, and, and execute deals and have those interactions. It's less so the traditional convention experience where there's half business and half fun. I think the, the ones we're talking about are for serious business uh, people only that they just need to start resuming their business in some capacity. Like I said, we are talking on Thursday right now. Yesterday, Congress passed the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan package. Um, tomorrow, Friday, uh, we expect um, President Biden to, to sign that into law. Um, we know that the American Rescue Plan dedicates a lot of funding specifically to lower income folks, to um, workers, and not as much toward, you know, industry as some previous packages have. Um, what does the hotel industry get out of the American Rescue Plan, if anything? There, there are certain portions of that, that legislation that are extremely beneficial. Obviously, any new money in the PPP program is a good help, especially for some of our smaller hotel owners. I mentioned at the beginning that Again, a lot of our hotel owners only own one or two properties, and they're these smaller investors or families that decide to invest in a hotel. 
Um, but the PPP program, the Paycheck Protection Program, the, the small business loan. Correct, correct. I apologize. And and even when you talk about our workers, I mean, our workers are the unfortunate victims of this all, where there are tens of thousands of hotel workers across the state of Illinois that are still laid off, and we don't know when that time is going to come to get them back to work. Obviously, it can't come soon enough. We want to rehire people as quickly as we can, but while they're still out of work, we, of course, want to make sure that they have their unemployment benefits continue, that they have COBRA protections to protect their health care. So there's some definite silver linings and good pieces of that legislation. Um, what's missing from it is direct support for hotels, um, besides uh, ones that are too big to qualify for the Paycheck Protection Program. I think so often some of our, our larger hotels, especially in the downtown area, it, I feel like the larger the business you have, you become kind of a boogeyman in some sense. Um, but you also have to keep in mind that those hotels are struggling just as much as the small hotel owners. And um, some of our larger hotels downtown pay anywhere between 11 and $12 million a year in just property tax, let alone their mortgage costs that are adding up. So when you have tens of millions of dollars of costs adding up, with zero revenue coming in the door because those hotels are still shut down and have been for the last year, they need support as well. And, and we, were, we were disappointed that there's been no congressional action to provide support for men, many hotel owners uh, across the city and across the country. And we hope that that will be taken up in a future relief package. But even here in Illinois and in Chicago, in the city of Chicago, They've supported many other industries, nonprofits and performing arts venues and restaurants. And don't get me wrong, that is the fabric of our local economy and our local culture. I mean, look at our restaurants. That's what Chicago is known for. So by all means, we want to support those industries. But hotel owners haven't gotten a penny of support from the city of Chicago in terms of assistance uh, from the city. From the state level, we have gotten some, um, but not nearly as much as what other states have given hotel owners and restaurant owners. And I think with this new influx of state and local money that's going to be coming from this congressional package that just passed yesterday, we're hopeful that the state of Illinois puts a portion, a significant portion of that money to work to save a lot of these businesses and do another round of support for people that have been rejected uh, from their uh, applications for state support previously. There is an ordinance pending in the city council right now. It's called the Right to Return to Work Ordinance. It was basically require hotel owners who are rehiring to prioritize rehiring those same workers who were laid off last year. Um, the union that represents hotel workers in Chicago, Unite Here, says this is common sense. Your association is against it. Why? We completely agree. We want to put people back to work as quickly as possible, but this ordinance would prohibit us from doing that or make it much more difficult and take much more time to get people back to work. What it would require is us to maintain as a hotel one list of all of our employees that were laid off based purely on seniority. It doesn't even take into account what department they were working in when they were laid off. So, for example, if a position in the kitchen opened as a cook and the next employee on our seniority list was a housekeeper, we would have to offer that cook position to the housekeeper. And if the housekeeper wanted it, we'd have to then spend the time training that housekeeper to become a cook before we could put them to work. That's what this ordinance would require as written. And then the second portion of it, it says that we would have to send a registered letter to every employee once they qualify for an open position. And upon receipt of it, which of course, we know the postal service is terrible right now in terms of timing, we would have to wait 10 days for them to respond back to us on whether or not they actually want that position back or not. 
And only then could we then offer it to the next employee on the list and wait another 10 days for them to get back to us. So realistically, realistically, if we hear no from several employees, it could take us months to fill one position in the hotel. And when McCormick Place reopens and people start traveling again, we're going to want to rehire people as quickly as possible. And everything contained in this ordinance would just put up additional roadblocks to getting, us pe getting our people back to work quicker. There is another ordinance. Uh, actually, this might be a resolution proposed by um, Alderwoman Sue Sadlowski-Garza to move up hotel workers in the priority list um, in, uh, for vaccinations to get them vaccinated sooner. Right now, um, under city and state guidelines, I think they're not prioritized at all. Um, where do hotel owners stand on that? Yeah, you know what, that's what's frustrated us the most at IHLA, especially working on these ordinances that are being pushed by Unite here is you, you look at a issue around vaccinating our employees and it's the perfect, the, the, the kind of telltale example of where us and Unite here is the hotel union should be working together on this. And unfortunately, they've been relatively silent on trying to get their workers vaccinated and we've been very vocal about it. So we worked with Chairwoman Garza to put this resolution together because it's been very frustrating for us that we have been open throughout the entire pandemic. Some hotels have, have suspended their operations for business purposes, but we've been deemed essential from the beginning of the pandemic. And those people that are still working are, you can't, you can't be a housekeeper and work from home. You're showing up to the workplace and you're exposing yourself by, you're interacting with guests. And you're, again, you're entering a room where someone has actually has lived for the last 24 or 48 hours or whatever it may be. And yet the, the state and the city have said, we are not frontline essential enough, that we're not, we don't have enough exposure to the virus. But so it's been extremely frustrating for us. And the most frustrating part is that not only are we not in phase 1B, we're not even in phase 1C yet, according to the city and state. We've heard that we should be, especially because the CDC recently added hotel workers into phase 1C, but there's been no formal confirmation or more, no publication publicly to state that hotel workers are even in the next phase of phase 1C. So our employees, I mean, are, are definitely sacrificing something by, by, work, by going to work and preserving their livelihood. And unfortunately, there is a, some level of risk of doing so because they interact with the public. And yet at the city and state level, we've been told that, no, they're not essential enough and, and they shouldn't be included in the vaccine prioritization so far. What else can state government be doing right now to help um, your members? Uh, you know, we talked about um, conventions and some of the discussions happening there. What are your lobbying efforts looking like in terms of, um, you know, getting help from Springfield right now? First and foremost, we need meetings and events to increase. I mentioned earlier that 50% of a hotel's revenue is based on what we call group travel. That's meetings, conferences, events, weddings. Um, we need those to resume with more than 50 people. Uh, again, with proper social distancing and many other requirements that we've offered up to the state, we need to get back in business. Um, so many other states, both red and blue, have increased their event restrictions, I'm sorry, increased their event limits um, to allow for more people and ease those restrictions. And Illinois and Chicago are simply just being left behind and we're losing business, um, both short and long-term to other markets who are reopening safer, but quicker. Um, so that is absolutely the top priority of us right now. Above and beyond that, I mean, any opportunity there is to provide additional financial support, knowing that this recovery is gonna take three to four years for the hotel industry. And yet we're still on the hook for property taxes and our mortgages and, of course, labor costs uh, as they continue to increase. 
any financial support that we can identify to help support some of these small business owners, I think would be absolutely, absolutely key. And then on the contrary, at the state level, we're seeing additional tax proposals thrown out there as part of the governor's budget that would increase the tax liability on some of these smallest small business owners. And I think that the timing couldn't be uh, couldn't be worse in terms of raising the cost and raising taxes on small businesses when they're just struggling to survive. And our fear is that if some of these things don't begin to change and hotel owners don't uh, don't see some relief here in a very short time, that the pace of foreclosures and permanent losses of hotels is going to increase. We, we saw two more hotels just in the last week get foreclosed just in the Chicagoland area, and that pace is increasing by the day. So our fear is that if we don't see some support here quickly, more and more hotel owners are going to lose their entire livelihoods and lose their properties to foreclosure. The next couple of months of climbing out of this pandemic and getting everyone vaccinated and sort of coming back to in-person events is one thing, but a three to four year recovery is, is a whole different conversation here. So as that long, slow recovery happens for this, this industry that's taken such a big hit, what are you going to be looking to um, the city and state government to do to help along this industry, um, you know, get back to its previous strength over the long term? You know, it's a great question, and, it's, and it, it points all things back to promotion and marketing. So you're already starting to see now that the pandemic, again, is, is appears to be um, getting into the rearview mirror. We're not quite there yet, but it's we're certainly making progress. You're starting to see other cities and states start to market themselves again and say, I mean, I, I think I see a, a come to Key West ad every every night on my TV when I when I'm watching the news at night. And uh, the fact that we need to be able to compete equally, if not more than a lot of these other states and a lot of these other destinations. So it, it proves the importance of organizations like Choose Chicago, like the State Office of Tourism, getting out there and encouraging people to come visit us here in Illinois. I mean, there are, I know I, you would agree with me that there is no city like Chicago, especially as we begin to enter the summer months. And there's going to be so much to see and do. Our museums are back open. Navy Pier is going to be reopening soon. There's so many great things to see, so many great restaurants to eat at. But we need to market that and get the word out and get people excited to come back here. So at a time when we're going to need these convention and visitor bureaus the most, like Choose Chicago, unfortunately, most of their budget relies on the previous year's hotel occupancy tax collections. So we're going to be basing this year's budget on last year's tax collections, which we know was almost nothing. Um, so that's another area we're working with the city and state on is trying to identify some emergency funding just in the short term to make sure that we can get out there and sell future meetings and conventions to come to Chicago, but also market to you and me, leisure travelers who are considering where they're going to book a trip once they get vaccinated. And we want to make sure that Chicago and the state can make a splash and, and try to get people here, but they're going to need the resources to do so. Talking about revenue and, and, and taxes, I mean, that leads me into my last question here, which is sort of the big, dumb question underlying all of this. Why should Chicagoans care about how well the hotel industry is doing? Um, you know, we live here in the city. We don't, we aren't staying in Chicago hotels. We aren't tourists. Why, why does it matter to people living in Chicago um, how much money hotel owners are making? So it's not, it's not even about the hotel owners. It's about our workers. I mean, we are, the hospitality industry is the largest private sector employer in the state, only second to the government. And uh, you look at how many of our neighbors, particularly from black and brown communities, 
that are impacted by these job losses that we need to get back to work. 63% of all hotel employees in the state of Illinois are people of color, and we need to get them back to work. But even if you don't work directly in the hotel industry, you should care about the future success of hotels because of the tax revenue we generate. Every time someone checks in to a Chicago hotel, they pay 17.5% in hotel tax, more than many other taxes that are paid in the city of Chicago, even including some of the sin taxes of things that you're supposedly discouraged to use. Um, that tax revenue, not just in hotel taxes, but then you take in account what shopping they do on the mag mile and what restaurants they eat and the sales tax and restaurant tax, all the other taxes that are generated. Uh, if it weren't for that tax revenue, the city and state are going to have to make up for that money elsewhere. And it would, it would account to $1,600 for every Illinois household if it weren't for the taxes generated by hotels. That's $8 billion in total tax revenues are generated just by hotels in the state of Illinois each year. So if, if, if this industry fails and we continue to lose hotels permanently, um, there's just going to be a greater tax burden on proper, other property owners, including residents in the city of Chicago. And I think we all agree that's the last thing we need right now. Michael Jacobson, thank you so much for coming on. We'll hope to talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks again for having me. Next, I talked to Karen Kent of Unite Here Local One, who talked about how her union is supporting laid-off workers right now, why they think that opposition to the right to return to work ordinance is overblown, and what the union is trying to do to make sure its members are getting vaccinated. Here's Karen. Karen Kent, welcome to the Cloudcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Tell me a little bit about Unite Here Local One and um, who it all represents. Unite Here Local One, we represent uh, hospitality workers in Chicago and uh, Northwest Indiana. Uh, we represent people that work at the airports, that um, uh, when you buy food uh, at the airports, we represent people at uh, stadiums, and we represent 7,000 hotel workers downtown. In Chicago. So all told, how many members are represented in um, Unite Here Local One? 16,000. So the groups that you've described here, a lot of, we know that the hospitality industry is made up in large part of women, often um, uh, immigrants, people of color, um, people who, you know, English is not their first language necessarily. These are all groups that have really borne an outsized impact from the pandemic, right? Really have taken on a disproportionate share of the pain from COVID. Um, tell me about what COVID has really meant for all of that rank and file staff that, you know, keeps hotels and tourism running in the city. You know, uh, well, I think we're a year to the day that the pandemic started. Um, and many of those folks are still laid off. If I looked at our, um, a lot of the hotel workers um, downtown. There's many places that have been closed throughout. There's places that were open briefly and then closed, but um, it's meant, you know, often uh, an entire year off of work. That includes people throughout the tourism industry. But um, as we've all seen, that's one of the industries that's been hardest hit. And, you know, women, people of color, um, and particularly older women are going to really um, bear the brunt of this in the pandemic. So 16,000 
dues-paying members, give or take, of Unite Here Local 1. Do you have a sense of how many are working right now and how many are out of work, roughly? Yeah, um, you know, probably a few thousand, probably about 2,500 are working um, or have been working at this moment in time. There might be a little bump because some um, have recently come back, maybe to, due to, you know, outside funding or something or PPP, but uh, really it's about 2,500, I'd say, or 3,000 that are working. You know, this pandemic has forced so many organizations, including unions, to sort of refocus and reevaluate their traditional roles and responsibilities, right? So um, normally a, a union like Unite Here would be focused on just trying to day-to-day -day ensure good working conditions for, for workers, right, or trying to negotiate fair contracts. Um, but now in this moment when so many of its members are, are not working, what has the local scene as its responsibility during this period? I mean, how is it representing um, all these members who are out of work right now? Well, that's such a great question because it's one that we've grappled with throughout the year that the pandemic's been going on. So, um, you know, I think we, we ask ourselves every month actually that question. But, you know, uh, certainly, um, you know, helping people to access the systems you know, how do people access unemployment? What are the, you know, issues that come up? If people aren't technologically um, facile, how do we how do we make sure that people uh, have the ability to access unemployment, resolve issues that have come up? If people don't have the technology that they need to get that, you know, to access the systems, then can we do it for them? We've made sure that we've done fundraising because some people have not had enough money and not been able to make ends meet. Maybe they're not qualified for certain programs. And so we've raised money for um, food cards from Jewel and other uh, markets, union markets, um, so that we could provide that for people who are especially in need, but also, um, you know, housing issues that have arisen, other bills that people have had. We've had um, programs, uh, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, in healthcare, you know, making sure that we, making sure that in healthcare we had people who could access uh, healthcare systems, whether it was enrolling people in Medicaid, making sure that people found FQHCs to go to uh, also, and then uh, certainly with our own healthcare plan, making sure that people were enrolled, if they were able to have access to that as well. But I'd say also, Alex, that one thing is that our members, you know, as I said, black, brown women, uh, largely impacted by COVID. And a lot of them have either had the illness or had a family member, friends, loved ones who have passed away. And though we're a year into this, um, that hasn't, you know, that still continues, right? We still know people who have passed away from it or in the moment that people couldn't be together to mourn with the people that, um, you know, that they worked with. And oftentimes it was their coworkers who passed away and, you know, weren't, um, you know, they weren't able to be together. And so one of the things we did as a union was had a, um, 
a memorial service and an ofrenda and where people could gather and sort of have a night of remembrance to the people that they have um, loved and lost. And that's, you know, been taken a tremendous toll. There is, it sounds like there is this um, major effort at direct aid and showing compassion to members. Um, and on top of that, I know that Unite Here also has a real political dimension, right? That it's doing some political work. It's trying to advocate for legislation at different levels um, to, you know, advance the interests of its of its members. Um, so tell me about what that political work involves. How can um, the city government, state government, other other government entities help hospitality workers right now? Yeah, sure. Um, well, for hotel workers, and this is all hotel workers in Chicago, we're um, we've had an ordinance introduced into city council um, that is the right to return for hotel workers. And that's basically that would provide for hotel workers to return to work uh, after the pandemic when the guests come back. So um, as the guests come back to work, the hotel workers come back to work and that people go to their prior position or a position that they're qualified to do, but they do that before the employer would hire a new employee. There's a lot of opposition running up against that ordinance. The hotel industry is is very much against that ordinance, which essentially lays out pretty specific regulations for the industry to follow to say, you must, the first people you hire back for us must be the, the people who got laid off, right? Um, what they say is, Obviously, we're going to do that anyway, but if you tie these regulations around it and um, make us do it in a certain way, that's just going to hinder the process. It's just going to slow everything down, and it's going to be counterproductive to the very workers that Unite Here is is trying to help. Um, what has you know the union been saying in response to that? Look, um, what I would say, and I mean, I don't think there's a big stampede of guests right now back to frankly I, I mean it's just it's the right thing to do right and i don't think that it creates an undue burden um i think that if we believe in lifting up communities of color lifting up uh immigrants lifting up women and making sure those who are hardest hit then we'll accept whatever if there is a burden then okay, accept it, because if it's the right thing to do, we'll figure out a way. We've figured out all kinds of complicated issues. I'm sure that we could figure out a way to bring people back to work. I also know that Alderwoman Garza, I think just this um, last council meeting in February, introduced a resolution trying to um, get hotel and hospitality workers moved up into an earlier stage of vaccinations. Um, we know that right now they're not prioritized. Is that something that uh, Unite Here sees as a priority? You know, I will tell you that um, for our local, I mean, I'll go through a few of the things that we've done because we believe in this as, you know, obviously um, we've seen the inequities that have revealed themselves through this process, right? That's all over the country where some communities have had access or others have not. But frankly, you know, there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy. And I think that our role in the union is to make sure that we provide a place where we can 
you know, answer questions, but that people can feel free to raise doubts. I don't want it to be that we're, you know, making a mandate about it because I think that limits conversation. But we've had webinars. We had Dr. Uh, Heather Prendegrass that came on. She's from the University of Illinois at Chicago Department, Emergency Department, but has done work for a long time um, with different communities and making sure um, that um, disadvantaged communities have access to, to healthcare and the impact of that um, if they don't. So she was on a webinar with us just last week. We've done um, made sure that we've participated with other um, groups, the 15 neighborhoods that have been highlighted in the mayor's program to get vaccines out. We've made sure that we've put text out to our members in those areas or anybody that we have phone numbers for to make sure that um, they're aware. Uh, we want to make sure that we've, um, you know, done that with CPS. We represent folks over there. And so we've also had a text program out to lunch ladies and those folks. Um, I can't think of anything that's more important for people who've been so devastated by, you know, the uh, global health crisis, right? Uh, our folks really have. So obviously that's a tremendous priority, but I want to make sure that we do it in a way that allows people to make a decision that's informed and that they can, um, you know, come towards it with their peers and asking questions and have the information that they need. What are you hearing right now from members about their willingness to get the vaccine? Is there a lot of hesitancy out there? Are you seeing results from some of these educational outreach uh, programs that, that more members are starting to get on board? Where do you feel like membership stands on hesitancy or uptake? It, it's a process. I think it's been a conversation that we've had about the vaccine. People are making decisions about it. I think that as people get more information and feel confident about it and talk to their peers and see other conversations that are going on in the union or other people posting their, you know, um, what they've done about it, then I think that people are generally more willing. But I think that, you know, it's great for people. We're going to keep doing that no matter what, because it's the right thing to do, right? It's the right thing to do to make sure. And I, I see it as an important part of our role. But we do want to make sure that people have place to go back to. I think that, you know, having work to go back to is part of it. And that's part of the conversation that we've had to with people is that, you know, do do people around the world see us as a place to come back to, right? Do people, do the world's visitors see Chicago as a safe place, you know, for health and, um, you know, to come and, and visit? And I think that everybody gets motivated by that, the vision of, you know, hope and coming back and people returning because our members in the end love this. They love you know, welcoming people to the city and bring them in. It's like their home, right? Welcome to my home. That's really who people are. And how about as far as advocacy in Springfield is concerned? Um, we know that this has been a huge part of what the hotel industry has been trying to do is to push um, IDPH at the state level to allow capacity to expand 
for conventions and ballrooms and things like that. Um, they say that that would help more workers return to work faster. Is that something that Unite Here is interested in, in pursuing as well, trying to speed up um, the loosening of some of those space restrictions? Look, I think it's, uh, you know, for, for us, you know, I guess it's a combination of things. Of course, I want people to come back. I want people to come back, um, you know, because it'll bring the work back. But if the work comes back and folks don't have jobs to return to, you know, people are living in poverty and, you know, not able to make ends meet and not able to provide health care and the things that they want, then it's sort of, okay, great, rah-rah for bringing everybody back. But who's, you know, it would be really a shame. And I think um, <clears throat> if we don't provide the protections, you know, we want to protect everybody, the industry, and we want to protect the economy, and we want to make sure that people can thrive. And I think that we want to make sure that the people that make the industry and the economy and, you know, the state and the city thrive have protections, too, that they're part of that. That they feel that, you know, everybody would advocate for them as well. So now that we are getting into springtime, case counts seem like they're continuing to go down. Vaccinations are up. We're kind of entering from a medium-term conversation about how reopening is going to happen to a kind of longer-term conversation about what the recovery from this looks like over the next couple of years. So sort of casting out over to the next two, three years, since we know a lot of folks are saying the hospitality industry probably won't be back to full strength for a while, um, what are you going to be looking for from leaders at the city and state level to make sure that... Um, you know, they are doing right by hospitality workers, that they are as strong a part of this recovery as, as they can be. Look, I feel like um, we just saw yesterday the House passed the most recent um, American Rescue Plan, right? And that included uh, COBRA extensions, right, which will really provide um, healthcare for a lot of folks expanded a number of other expanded benefits. And I know, you know, we've worked a lot with a number of Congress people and with Senator Durbin, you know, and talked to him a lot about that. And so kudos to them for really taking that in and sort of seeing what the needs are of folks. So I'd have, you know, I have the same expectation for local leaders and state leaders that we sort of take in what's happening and, you know, who's being impacted and how do we give an advantage and center the conversation around the people who are most in need. And, you know, this is not um, going to be a quick recovery for hospitality workers. This is going to take some time. People are going to continue to be out of work for some time. And so over the long haul, you know, we'll come up with, I'm sure, other, you know, a number of other, um, you know, ways that we can work together, that we can partner to provide food in other areas, to make sure that we partner to bring people back to work if there's other opportunities. But I think that it starts with you know, what we're talking about today, the hotel workers' right to return. I think that people will 
um, you know, I think our members are politically engaged and thoughtful about that and paying attention to what happens now. You know, they've certainly paid attention to what happens nationally and, you know, we're doing it on a different scale here. What else do you wish more people knew about Chicago hospitality workers and the situation they're in right now, if anything? A lot of them are still unemployed. I think there's this idea, as you said, Alex, that people are, you know, spring is here. <laughs> it looks nice outside. People are coming back. Everybody's going to be jamming, you know, downtown. And I think that a lot of people are still going to be unemployed and, you know, left behind unless we're very intentional about that. And so I want to make sure that if we, you know, tell anybody, you know, anything that, you know, hospitality workers really love their work, really love. They are people that, you know, we did these videos called um, what's or still cooking, you know, to raise money for hospitality workers. And everybody's a cook. That's sort of what I realized that even the bartenders, the the banquet servers, the whatever housekeepers, Everybody wants to cook. Everybody's in videos that these are really people who believe in that, who like have hospitality in their hearts. And so nobody is looking for, you know, help that's not very genuine. They're really the people who want to come back. And I hope that people will do anything they can um, to, you know, invite their uh, legislators and their um, aldermen to support this. It's an important ordinance. And it starts with, you know, women, older women, people of color who are going to be left behind. We don't do this. Karen Kent, thank you so much for coming on. This has really been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Any time. That is it for this episode of the Cloudcast. It was produced by me, Alex Nitkin, and edited by Joel Ebert. Thanks again to Michael Jacobson from the Illinois Hotel and Lodging Association and Karen Kent from Unite Here Local One. We will be back with another episode in two weeks.